my first week of college wasn't bad. Um, I kind of enjoyed it. Uh, it's been difficult in the sports world uh, lately, um, and just the world generally. Like in general, the world it's it's been tough. A lot of things been going on. Um, but welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. This is episode one forty nine. Episode 149 of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. This is a Saturday episode. This is our Saturday episode right here. We have the NFL season coming up in about two more weeks, I think. About two more weeks. The NFL season is coming on or it's coming back. Uh, NBA playoffs. They're going to resume the NBA playoffs today. Um, so we got we got, we got a lot to get into. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Welcome back, welcome back. Episode 149. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah K Podcast, episode 149. I already mentioned episode 149, uh, and I truly mean that when I say hope everybody out there is doing fine, because I do. I hope everybody out there is doing fine. Um, I'm your humble and highly favored host, Isaiah Kitt. Uh, shout out to all the first-time listeners. Shout out, to all the, um, shout out to all the regular listeners. Shout out to all the men. Shout out to all the men out there. Shout out to all the women out there. Shout out to all the kids out there. Shout out to you if you're just now starting school this upcoming Monday. Shout out to you if you started school prior to this Monday uh, or this coming Monday. <laughs> Shout out to everybody out there. Um, so like I already mentioned, I don't want to be long today because these next few weeks, it's going to be some great content. We got the NBA playoffs. We got the MLB season getting, you know, the MLB. MLB season's getting into, you know, good form, getting to wear form. We're, almost get, we're getting closer and closer to playoff baseball. Um, and then the NFL season. Oh, well, no, the NBA playoffs. I already said NFL season. But I'm, I'm not going to be long today. I'm, I don't want to be too long today. But I did want to give you guys content. I wanted to give you guys an episode. But already mentioned, NBA playoffs back today. NFL season starting back up in two weeks. So content is going to be good in some college football, hopefully. Some college football, hopefully. So content is going to be good. Don't worry about that. I'm happy that we got all these sports back. But we also got to work on these social issues. And I want to start a little bit there. Let's start a little bit there uh, before I get into my sports topic. So uh, the NBA players, last time... so. Prior, let me get this. Let me let me let me run it back for you guys. While I was recording the last episode, the NBA boycotts were happening on the spot, live. It, it was happening live as I was recording the last episode. Episode that that last episode that I did, and I would suggest you guys go back and listen to it if you haven't. But I was. Throughout that episode, we were getting more and more news. So if you heard something on that episode and you're questioning it, that's because it. I was recording that episode as stuff was revealing itself. As stuff was revealing itself, I, I you know. So the Clippers, Lakers, they boycotted later that night. Late that night, the Clippers... In Lakers voted to boycott the season, the rest of the season. They voted to do that. 
Now, uh, by way of, of Woj, Woj came out and said, hey, we don't know how significant that vote was, but that's what the Clippers and Lakers voted on. Talks later throughout the night, going into the wee hours of the morning, minds were changed, uh, and, you know, obviously minds were changed, and everybody's on one accord. Now, I want to... I, I, I want to give you guys some back some backstories, you know, some back scoop, some scoop on this. Now it's a clip that everybody's talking about and everybody's reacting, and I don't want to say they're going at LeBron, but people think LeBron should tone it down a little. I'm gonna play this clip for you. Here's the clip I'm referring to, and I'm gonna um, break this clip down after I'm, after I played it, obviously. To Thursday, meaning yesterday, they have a meeting. It's at least two players from each team that's in the playoffs, all right? In the case of the Lakers, I was told there were four guys, okay? There was an owner in, uh, on the call from each team that was there, the, each team that's in the playoffs. And owner, of course, Michael Jordan was on the call, even though his team wasn't there because he's the chairman of the Labor Relations Committee. And, and Adam Silver led the call. And, of course, Michelle Roberts did most of the talking from what I was told. Well, LeBron James, or when everybody thought the meeting was over, LeBron James grabs the mic. And from what I'm told, talks for about 15 minutes. And he's talking about 15 minutes in a fashion that turned everybody off because they had already agreed to what they were going to do moving forward. And he was talking about, quote, the guys beneath me. I have to look out for the guys beneath me. To the point where you had people saying, what the hell you mean? Beneath you. Now, they didn't say that to him, but they certainly said it to people like myself, Woj, and others who are covering that meeting. He came across as if he was the king with some crown and what have you. And it was a real, real turnoff. Why is this relevant, ladies and gentlemen? It's relevant. Okay, so I'm going to stop it right there because I played a lot of that clip. <clears throat> so, with LeBron, so let's just discuss this problem with LeBron or this not necessarily a problem but what's going on with LeBron or what's 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 going on with this story so and this is how I look at it right here with LeBron when it comes down to LeBron and social issues like I said in the previous podcast or in the previous episode rather when people say when when people often say well who is or, or ask who was this generation's Martin Luther King Muhammad Ali Malcolm X, who is, who, 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 like, who is this generation, who, who in this generation is comparable to those figures back then? And I always bring up a name, LeBron James. LeBron James is in the same stratosphere as Muhammad Ali when it comes to speaking out on social issues. And he has done such a great job, he's done such a great job at doing that and being the face of the league while doing that. Big props. And I don't want to seem like I, you know, I'm giving LeBron a pass. I, I don't want to I don't want to make it seem like that or I'm being bot no, I, I don't want to make it seem like that. I don't want to come off I don't want to come across that way. But but when you're talking about LeBron and these social issues, and I thought Isaiah Thomas brought up such a great point. I was watching Isaiah Thomas on, on um, NBA TV, and he was talking about today's generation and them speaking up uh, as far as the players in the league. And Isaiah Thomas pointed out something so, it was a great point that he made. And he said, in the, in the 60s and 70s, players were speaking out. We had athletes speaking out in the NBA. We had, you know, we, we you know, Muhammad Ali was a, a, a notable figure in boxing speaking out against the government. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Bill Russell, those guys speaking out in the '60s and '70s. In the '80s, it continued. We still, we still had guys like Dr. J, uh, Kareem. We still had guys speaking out. And then, as you transition to the '90s. Um, players in the 90s didn't speak out on these type of social issues. They just didn't. Not, and, and it started with the face of the league, 
um, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan didn't speak out on, on political issues. He, you know, you saw it in the Last Dance documentary. He didn't speak out. Um, and I'm not condemning him for that. Uh, he didn't choose a side. He didn't choose a political party to affiliate with. That's fine. But then as you shift into the next generation, the next era, going into the 2000s, when LeBron got drafted, when, Le- 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 when LeBron first entered the league, he started talking about these social issues. And LeBron has been such, he's been so aware, he's been so alert, he's been so smart to, to pick out and see the deficiencies in the black community. Um, and he's done, he's done nothing but goodwill and he's put, and he's put his money where his mouth is. Literally, he's put his money where his mouth is. The I, you know, the I promise school, so many, so, I mean, he has so many things that he's done within the black community. Uh, and, and, and not just these words, not just protesting, not just boy, like he's actually put some work in. He's put actions in. He's put action in it. And I think when you have, when, when you're a guy like LeBron, when you have built, when you have built up so much equity with talking about these social issues, I give you a pass. Could he have could he have addressed the players, the younger players? Could he have said uh, another word than beneath? Could he could he have could he have phrased that a little better? Sure. But I must say, in my lifetime, I don't think there has been no player or or I mean or in anybody's lifetime. I don't think there's any player that has been as un- like LeBron has been so unfairly criticized and they look for him to be perfect and he's just not going to be perfect. Nobody's perfect. But the way how the way how the media critiques LeBron like so much pressure. Get this. LeBron entered the league, he had he had, he had so much pressure on him. Nobody has nobody has been had nobody has been scrutinized. Nobody is judged the same way as LeBron is judged. And sure, with him being a high-profile figure, he should be he should be held to a higher standard, rightfully so. But these higher standards are just unfair. They're just unfair. And I must say, LeBron, I think, and I think this, I think it's right to say this, but LeBron is a pillar of he's a pillar of the community. He's he's one of the more he's one of the more prominent faces, if not the face of the African American community. I must say, when we're talking about these issues, I think I, I think I think that's rightfully said. So when you know, yeah, he could have phrased the wording. The wording could have been better, sure. But am I gonna get on LeBron? Am I gonna rip LeBron because he said? I gotta watch out for these guys beneath, like the guys beneath me. I gotta watch out for these guys that's beneath me. No, I'm not. Because when you have so much equity built into this type of situation, talking about these social issues, tackling these social issues, I'm not. You're 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 afforded a break. You're you're afforded a break. So let's move on. to Joe Burrow, and, and, I, and I must say, I must say, before I move on, I'm glad that the NBA has done what it's did. Uh, it's it's really, I think that what LeBron have said about the owners, his 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 comment about the owners, like needing the owners to step up, and these owners are very powerful. I don't know if you guys know. But these owners of these teams, of, of any professional sports team, they're very powerful. But especially the NBA owners. The NBA owners are very powerful. And I'm glad that the NBA, and, and I'm glad that the NBA owners are willing to take that next step um, and, and take it on the call to action. I'm glad to see that. I'm really interested and intrigued to see what the NFL owners do. The Baltimore Ravens have done some have done some significant things, but what about the other teams around the league? There's some powerful owners in in the NFL. There's some powerful owners in the NFL, and I, I, I'm just very curious to see with the NFL season approaching, 
we're what, what about two weeks out of out of the NFL season. I'm very I'm very curious to see and intrigued to see what other teams what other like what are the other teams gonna do around the league. I'm I'm just so curious to know. I'm so curious to know. But um, let's move on. So Joe Burrow, the Joe Burrow hype train continues. And if you listen to this podcast, if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you know that's what I call it. The Joe Burrow hype train. I've been calling it since, uh, you know, since the new year. I've been calling it the Joe Burrow hype train. And now the hype train, it's adding more fans and it's going even faster. And I must say, before I get into Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, I'm coming out with my NFL predictions. They're going to be. I'm coming out with my NFL predictions very, very soon, because we are ver- we're, we're we're near the NFL season. So I'm coming out with my, my with my predictions. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good about these predictions. We'll see. Um, but I'm coming out with those soon. But with Joe Burrow and the hype train, and this and the Joe Burrow hype train, as I like to call it, and I and like I told you guys, if you don't know. If this, your, if this is your first time listening to me, uh, I've, been, I've been talking about Joe Burrow quite often. I think Joe Burrow was a B prospect. I didn't think he was an A prospect. Um, he, I, I do realize he had a great year at LSU, but uh, I do also realize that LSU had some great talent around him, um, and Joe Brady was a great play designer. So I think, you know, great, you know, great offensive, like great offensively uh, minded coach. But let's leave it here there. I think Joe Burrow's a B prospect. I thought he was a B prospect. Um, and I think he'll be pretty good. And I think he's going to be okay in Cincinnati. But this first year, his rookie year, it's going to be a struggle. The first few years, I think, it's going to be a struggle. Um, because he's the number one draft pick. And usually when you're number one draft pick, that team that drafted you, uh, they're the number one draft pick for a reason. They had the number one draft pick for a reason because they were bad. They were the worst team in the league. And get this. I'm going to give you guys this stat. We need, to, we need to cool down the Joe Burrow hype train. I'm going to give you guys this stat right here. Nine out of the last ten quarterbacks taken with the number one overall pick. Nine out of the last ten quarterbacks taken with the number, with the number one overall pick. Nine of those guys out of that ten. Nine of those guys have losing records. The only guy that doesn't have a losing record out of those 10 quarterbacks that's been taken first round in the first, in, in the first I mean, with the number one draft pick, excuse me, is Andrew Luck. I'm going I'm to I'm give you guys that stat again. Nine out of the last 10 quarterbacks taken with the number one overall pick. Nine of them have losing records. The only one that don't have a losing record is Andrew Luck. He had a winning record, and he's retired now. You know why he's retired? Indianapolis couldn't protect him. Kept getting beat up every year. And I say this because Cincinnati, I, I don't know what Zach Taylor is. This is, and I'm going to give you my reasons why Cincinnati, they're going to struggle this year. Um, Joe Burrow, he's going to struggle this year, and their, and their schedule is pretty good, too. The schedule, they don't, they, they don't really get no breaks in their schedule. First, as a coach, I don't know what Zach Taylor is. Zach, I don't know if Zach Taylor can coach. I don't know if he's a good coach because for the last two years, he's had the worst roster in football. Secondly, the Bengals' defense, it's not going to help Joe Burrow. Their defense needs, it, 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 it's, it's bad. It's been, the last two years, they've had the worst defense statistically in league history. That's not gonna that's not gonna be a help to Joe Burrow. Cincinnati's offensive line is not great. I don't like that because you know who plays in Joe Burrow's division? Oh yeah, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and Cleveland. All three have great defensive lines. Kid's gonna get murdered. Kid's gonna get murdered. He's gonna get murdered behind that offensive line. It, it happened to play Baltimore twice. Cleveland twice and Pittsburgh twice. And then he's number one, he's the number one overall draft pick. But Joe Burrow, I don't think he's Tom Brady. I don't think he's this uh once in a generation talent. I don't think he's just once in a generation quarterback. 
did I have to remind you guys? Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck is the only guy with a winning record out of those 10 quarterbacks that was drafted number one, the last 10. He's the only guy with a winning record. Joe Burrow is not Andrew Luck. Joe Burrow isn't the talent that Andrew Luck was. He's just not. I, he's, he's not. Andrew Luck was the best quarterback prospect I ever seen in college. Joe Burrow is not. He's not, okay? Get that in your heads. And I don't hate Cincinnati um, because I had, a, I had a very similar opinion like this with the Cleveland Browns last year. I told you guys the Cleveland Browns would struggle. I told you guys Baker Mayfield would struggle. I told you guys this. I told you guys this. People thought I was hating. Well, I'm doing it again this year. I don't hate Joe Burrow. I like him, actually. I don't think he's Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or Joe Montana. Like, all these. Like I don't think he's that. I think he's more Tony Romo. I think he's a B prospect. And he's on a bad roster. With uh, with with any any Zach Taylor, he has a coach where in Zach Taylor, I don't know where Zach Taylor really is. I don't know what he is as a coach. I don't know if he's good, if he's solid, if he's average, or if he's if he's just bad. I don't know. But I give you all those factors: coach question mark, defense bad, offensive line is horrible, and then in the AFC North, that division is too damn tough. That division is too damn tough. Joe Burrow's going to have a rough year. He's going he's gonna to put up some numbers. He's going to put up some numbers. But Joe Burrow's going to have a tough year. It's going to be a rough year for Joe Burrow. It's going to be a rough first year for Joe Burrow. Um, and, and I say this for, and I'm going to say this right now. With no preseason, I'm telling you guys, preseason is so big. I've been listening to a lot of these training camp interviews, a lot of these practice interviews with these teams in, in training camp. Preseason, uh, it's going to hurt some teams that no preseason games were played. It's going to hurt some teams. And what I mean by this, teams with new coaches that have to implement new systems or teams with young or rookie quarterbacks, I think are going to struggle. I think they're going to struggle. No preseason, lack of preparation, week one, Day one, the games matter automatically. I think, I, I think, I, I think you know, rookie quarterbacks. I think like guys like Joe Burrow, Cincinnati, young team with a rookie quarterback, they're gonna struggle. May they're gonna struggle majorly. Teams that have new coaches that have to implement new systems, they're gonna struggle majorly. And I think teams that have continuity. Teams like Baltimore, teams like Kansas City, Kansas City, excuse me, Philadelphia, 49ers, teams with some type of continuity, I think are gonna thrive. They're gonna be really good. They're gonna be really good. That's what I'm thinking. That's how I'm thinking with this with this season. That's just a quick preview of my predictions. Teams with new quarterbacks. Teams with rookie quarterbacks, teams with new coaches that have, that have to implement and get adjusted with new systems, they're going to struggle the first four weeks. They're going to they're gonna struggle in early September. I'm going to tell you the guys that's not going to struggle in early September. Andy Reid is not going to struggle in September. Baltimore is not going to struggle in September. I think, I think the Eagles, I think with their continuity... I think they'll be fine. It seems like that that have continuity don't have don't they don't have to implement new systems. They know who their quarterback is. I think those are the teams that's going to be fine. I think those are the teams that are going to thrive and get off to a quick start. I'm telling you, no preseason. You may you may look at preseason as a small thing. I'm not particularly uh like, usually, I'm not particularly excited for preseason because I think the games are a waste. But it is some type of preparation. It gives these players, these teams, these coaches, it gives them some real play. It gives them some real competition. But with no preseason? With no preseason? Boy, oh boy. These rookie quarterbacks that's starting, like Joe Burrow, he's, he's going to be the start of week one. He's going to be the start of week one. 
I think he's going to struggle. I think, I think he's going to struggle. I'm telling you. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you guys. Teams that have to implement new systems, rookie quarterbacks, or young quarterbacks, or new coaches, they're going to struggle. They're going to struggle a little bit. I, I, I think so. I cannot wait to give you guys my predictions. But I did come up with a list. I came up with five quarterbacks. I'm going to give you guys five quarterbacks that are under the most pressure this year. Five quarterbacks. I'm going to give you guys five quarterbacks that are under, that's under pressure this year. Five. Okay, so instead of a top five, I'm just going to give you guys a list of my quarterbacks that have the most pressure on them. I'm going to give you guys a list of quarterbacks that have the most pressure on them. So uh, let's start off with Cam Newton. Um, and I don't think the pressure is immense. I don't think there's. I don't think the pressure is immense, especially not with me, because I'm looking at the weapons that New England have or lack thereof. New England offense, like the offensive weapons on New England, are bad. They're 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 bad. He has no deep threat, um, no reliable tight end to check down to. His offensive line is pretty solid, but as far as the receiving core, I don't love it. But the reason why Cam has he's facing a little he's facing a little bit of pressure is because we have we, there's this big split in in the media. Some people think that Cam is still a really really good quarterback um, when healthy. Now there's people like me who I think I think Cam has lost a little bit. I think he can still be a productive starter, but I don't think he's the MVP guy that that people think he is. I don't I, I don't think he's that. I think he is a guy that could be a productive starter, but I don't I don't think he's the MVP. I think um the injuries have wore him down. Uh still he's still he's still not a great he's still not accurate. Um so it's that's the that's the big split in the media. And that's why there's pressure on him. Because he's playing for he's playing for his next contract. Like, this New England thing is not long-term. This is, I, I think Cam, you know, by the end of this year or, you know, next year, Cam won't be in a Patriots jersey. I don't think so. Um, but there is some pressure on him. Uh, but I'm not going to be looking for Cam Newton to go 10-6 and six and go to the playoffs with this Patriots team. That's not what I'm looking for. I want to see if Cam can stay healthy. I want to see if he can be productive, somewhat productive, and I want to see has his accuracy, like, has his accuracy gotten better, because, you know, going into his 30s, um, he's a, he's a, he's a phenomenal athlete, but I think the injuries, he's had some major injuries, and I think the injuries have taken a toll on him, so Cam Newton is, he's, he's not under a lot of pressure, but he's under some type of, he's, he's under somewhat, he's under some pressure, not a lot though. I don't have high expectations though. That's the that's the better that's the better phrase. Cam Newton has pressure on him, but I don't have high expectations. I'm not looking for a ten and six season. I'm not looking for an eleven and five season. I because I, I think this is too much with all of the pieces that New England's mi- missing, both offensively and defensively. I think that's too much to ask. Um, the next quarterback. Brady, Tom Brady. Now, I don't think Tom Brady has nothing left to prove. It's a difference. He has nothing left to prove, but he is under pressure this year because, once again, there is this big split in the media. One side thinks that Brady can't play no more. One side thinks that Brady is shot and done. The other side, like myself, I think Brady is still a productive quarterback. You just got to give him some weapons. I think Brady, he was devoid of weapons last year. I mean, that New England offense was bad. Julian Edelman led the league in drops. Muhammad Sanu didn't quite work out. Uh, No Rob Gronkowski, no reliable tight end. And then after that, it was just a bunch of young guys. So I think with, with with this offensive cast that he has, with this offensive cast that he has, Mike Evans, Cameron Bright, Chris Godwin, 
uh, Gronkowski. I mean, the, the the I mean OJ Howard. Like it is like like he like he can't underperform, underachieve with this roster. He can't. I mean, with the offensive firepower, he cannot underperform with that. If if Brady underperforms and he he goes like seven and nine, that like like that, that like he failed. He failed. Now, and I think there's a difference. Brady has nothing left to prove. Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time already. He's the greatest quarterback to play the game already. He's the most accomplished. He's the, he's the greatest. Without a shadow of a doubt. He has nothing left to prove. But Brady does have pressure on him. He does. And if you underachieve with this cast, with this offense, with those offensive weapons, it's going to be kind of a letdown. If he under Jeeps. Um, next stop, uh, Mitchell Trubisky. Okay. I, I'm never, I've never been really huge on Mitch Trubisky. Even when he had the, the breakout year a couple years ago, when he had the breakout year and, and Trubisky got the, the bears to the playoffs, I wasn't particularly high on him. I, I still had my questions. And with Chicago, the two moves that stand out to me with Chicago this offseason, they went out and got and they went out and traded for Nick Foles. Mind you, Nick Foles had a huge I mean Nick Foles got a pretty that's a pretty big deal for Nick Foles. And they brung that onto their salary cap. And then also they declined Jabisky's fifth year option. So I, I, like it just shows you what direction the Bears are willing to move into if Jabisky has a letdown year. Hell, I mean, if Trubisky doesn't start off the year pretty good, Nick Foles might be the starter, or Nick Foles week one might be the starter. So, like, Trubisky, Mitch Trubisky, he has some, he has some tremendous pressure on his shoulders. Hope he can handle it. Um, the next quarterback I would have is Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, he's 38 years of age. He's coming off a major surgery. I'm, I'm just trying to wonder, I'm trying to picture... What does a 38-year-old Ben Roethlisberger look like coming off of a surgery? And let's be honest, Roethlisberger, if you don't know, Roethlisberger training regimen isn't, it's not very Tom Brady, TB12-ish. It's not Russell Wilson. He doesn't work out like those guys. It's, it's, it's Ben Roethlisberger. He's, on, he's more like on dad mode, sit back, drink a couple beers, watch, like, that's, that, that, like, that's that's what that's what his training regimen is, and I just wonder. And that's my then another you know once again a sneak peek to my NFL predictions. That's why I'm so hesitant on the on the Pittsburgh Steelers. I like their defense. I like Mike Tomlin as a coach. Um, I think sometimes he lacks detail, but that's neither here or there. But I don't know what I'm getting from Ben Roethlisberger. Is he going to look like? Uh, an aging Eli Manning this upcoming year? Or is he going to look like Ben Roethlisberger two years ago where he led the league in passing yards? I don't know. And there's there's pressure on Ben Roethlisberger this year. Another future Hall of Fame quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, yes. Aaron Rodgers. There is pressure on Aaron Rodgers this year. Now, I don't want to, like, so I've seen reports Jordan Love he, he doesn't look good in, in training camp. He doesn't look good at practice. Okay. But they draft, they went up and they went up and traded, they traded up for this kid for a reason. Green Bay likes, obviously, they like what they see in Jordan Love. Um, and I think, and, and with this, I think it's been blown kind of, kind of, it's, it's kind of been blown out of proportion. Uh, Aaron got to the playoff, he got to the NFC Championship game last year. He got, he, you know, he, he he couldn't beat San Francisco. That San Francisco team was just better than Green Bay. Um, they they went they went thirteen and three last year. I didn't think they was a thirteen and three team. They felt more like ten and six, but they went thirteen and three. I think people blowing it out of proportion with Aaron in the Green Bay situation. But I'm wondering, is this the year where we we look at Aaron Rodgers and we ask ourselves, is Aaron Rodgers still a top five quarterback? Is that is this the year that we start to have questions and we start to wonder, is Aaron Rodgers really a top 10 quarterback anymore? He's He still throws a great ball. He's still good talent-wise. But I wonder, does this question come into play? Is Aaron Rodgers still a top five quarterback after this year? I think that's why the pressure's boiling on him. 
I think he's still very talented. Um, his arm still looks good. But I wonder, is, is Aaron Rodgers going to be a top five quarterback at the end of this year? Or, or like, are people going to still look at him as a top five guy? I think there's tremendous pressure on Aaron right there. I think it's tremendous pressure right there for him. Next, um, I got to be honest, Lamar Jackson. Yes, he won MVP last year. He was phenomenal last year. And he's proven the doubters wrong. And I think Baltimore is going to be a great team this year. I think Baltimore, they, like I told you guys, I told you guys on multiple occasions, Baltimore has the best overall roster in football. Um, I think Baltimore, they should win 13 games or more. That's how good they are. I think that I really truly think that's how good Baltimore is. But the next step for Lamar Jackson, the next step for Lamar Jackson is to win playoff games. And with this roster, ultimately get to a Super Bowl. That is the next step for Lamar Jackson. And in order to get to the Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl, you have to win a couple playoff games. That's where I need to see Lamar grow. Um, it, it, it would be a total letdown if this team did not get to the Super Bowl. If the Ravens did not get to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl this year, it would be a total letdown. And I'm not saying they would get rid of get they get rid of Lamar. No, 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 no. They they keep Lamar, and Lamar would still be great, and he'd be good. But it would be it, 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 it's going to be a different story. We're going to be having different conversations if like say if Patrick Mahomes wins another Super Bowl this year. Let's say. Kansas City goes back to back this year and they win another Super Bowl. The Mahomes and Lamar debate is very lopsided now. But if Baltimore was to make a deep playoff run, if Baltimore was to get to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl, and Lamar is finally put in that elite class, we got an argument now with who is the better quarterback. And talent-wise, like as far as arm and stuff, like it's it's Patrick Mahomes. But I mean, like the media that that you know they they have this the media has created this rivalry between the Ravens and the Chiefs, them two being the best two teams in the conference. And I think which just besides you know you can take away Patrick Mahomes, Lamar as a quarterback because we all acknowledge he's great. Okay, he's won an MVP. Great. He knows how to win regular season games. That's that's proven. But, but, can Lamar win the postseason? And can he get to that elite level with guys like Patrick Mahomes, uh, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers? Can he get to that elite level? I think that's a question Lamar Jackson has to answer this year. There's some, there's some pressure on him. There's some pressure on him, definitely. Um, the next guy, Dak Prescott. I, I mean, this is, there's some economic pressure on Dak Prescott this year. There's some, there's some, there's some economic, there's some economics pressure on Dak Prescott this year because he, as we all know, he got franchise tag. He's coming off an eight and eight year. If Dak Prescott underachieves this year with this offensive supporting cast, he has a, he has a solid O line in front of him. It, it, that, and the, I must, I must admit, the Cowboys' offensive line isn't as good. As it once was, but it's still very solid. He has Ezekiel. He has Ezekiel Elliott behind him. He has Amari Cooper on one side, Michael Gallup on another side. Oh yeah, and then C.D. Lamb in the slot. If 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 if, if, if Dak underachieved this year, does he get paid? I don't think. I don't think the Cowboys would pay him. If if he got if Dak has another eight and eight year where he can't beat winning teams. I think the Cowboy. I don't think the Cowboys will sign him. I don't think they will re-sign him to a long-term deal. I just don't. And you know, I, it, it, that's why I said it, there's some there's some economic pressure on on Dak Prescott this year. Is Dak Prescott going to get franchise tag again, or is Dak Prescott going to be cashing out on a hundred million dollar deal? That's the pressure on Dak. And plus, it's America's team. It's the Cowboys. Uh, America will be watching. The Cowboys are America's team. You know, there's always pressure on the Cowboys, especially when they have such a talented roster uh, like they do this year offensively. 
Um, there's just always going to be high expectations. But Dak, it's about the money this year, boy. It's about the money this year, Dak. It's about the money. It, it, you know, are you going to get the moolah? Are you going to play well? Are you going to ball out? Or is he going to underachieve? There's some pressure on Dak. Um, and then the last guy, uh, you, I mean, Baker Mayfield. What can I say? There's, I, there's pressure on Baker Mayfield this year. This, this will be Baker Mayfield's third year. Baker Mayfield's third year. In Cleveland last year, their, 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 their offensive line wasn't the greatest, especially at the tackles positions. But the, the tackle position was the weak spot of that offensive line last year. But the Cleveland Browns addressed that. They addressed that in the, in, in, in the draft. They went out and got tackles, some pretty good ones. So they, 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 their O-line is pretty solid. Um, he has two good tight ends, David Njoku um, and, and, and Austin Hooper. So he has two good tight ends, David Njoku, Austin Hooper. Then he has two good receivers, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry. Then he has two good running backs, uh, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. And now he has Kevin Stefanski, an offensive-minded coach. Um, and I must say, Kevin Stefanski in Minnesota, his resume looks pretty good. He's taken Christian Ponder. He's taken uh, Tavares Jackson. He's taken Teddy Bridgewater. And he's taken Case Keenum to the playoffs. He is taking those four quarterbacks to the playoffs. Now, you Baker Bankfield fanboys, you Cleveland Brown fans, you all, you every, I mean, all you guys swear to me up and down that Baker Mayfield is better than those guys. You, 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 you swear up and down he's better than those guys. Well, we'll see. If Baker, if if Baker underachieved this year, his job is in, it, it, it's in jeopardy. If Baker Mayfield can't go nine and seven and get the, and get this Browns team to the playoffs, his job is in jeopardy this year because the defense is solid. The Browns defense is pretty solid, and they have one of the best defensive lines in football. They cleaned up their secondary. Now they did have a safety that get hurt, Grant Grant Delpit, rookie safety. Um, he did get hurt, so that I, I think that you know I don't know how that I don't know how that's going to affect that secondary. But their defense was not the problem last year. Offensively, that was the problem. Offense was the problem. And I want to see, you know, Kevin Stefanski, he's going he's gonna to simplify the reads for Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield has two of everything. He has two good running backs, two good receivers, two good tight ends, along with Kevin Stefanski. If he can't go 9-7 and seven and get this team to the playoffs, Baker Mayfield is in trouble. My, 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 my guy, my friend Baker Mayfield is in trouble if he cannot get this team to 9-7 and seven and get them to the playoffs. Simple as that. He's in trouble. So those are just a list of quarterbacks that I think are, um, they have some pressure on them. Some guys have more, obviously. Like, I think Baker Mayfield, Dak Prescott, they obviously have more pressure on them. Uh, even Mitch Trubisky. His job is in jeopardy. Baker Mayfield's job is in jeopardy. Dak is playing for a big-time deal. Brady is trying to prove doubters wrong. Cam Newton, he's trying to prove doubters wrong. And he's trying to get a second. He's trying to get his next contract. Lamar is trying to get up. He's trying to um, get to the next level as a quarterback. He's trying to get to that elite status. And then Aaron Rodgers, you know, um, we have to see if Aaron Rodgers is still a top-five quarterback. But I truly mean it. If Baker can't get to this, if he can't get this team to nine and seven, nine and seven, Browns go nine and seven with Kevin Stefanski, with this offense that he has and the solid defense that he has. If he can't get this team to nine and seven, he's he's gone. I think I, 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 his job is going his job is going to be in jeopardy because this is the third year. This is the third year. Struggled last year. And it wasn't all his fault because we already know Jack Dor you know, we already know John Dorsey, uh, uh Freddie Kitchens was a bad I mean horrible coach. We already we we know that. But Baker didn't play well last year. But now he like he got Kevin Stefanski. A lot of us think Kevin Stefanski is a pretty good coach. Um he has he had a, I mean he let, he had a great resume in, in Minnesota. He took Kirk Cousins, Teddy Bridgewater, Case Keenum, Tavares Jackson, Christian Ponder to the playoffs. He took he took all five of those quarterbacks to the playoffs. I mean, you guys swear up and down, Baker's better than all of them. 
you you Baker Mayfield fans, you Oklahoma fans, you um you you you, you Cleveland Brown fans, you swear up and down that he's better than those guys. Well, let's see it because he has better weapons. Uh, he got Kevin Stefanski on his side. I, I like this is the year. This is the year. This is a make or break year for Baker. I'm telling you. I I, I, I I'm just telling you facts. I'm telling you facts. That's what I do here. I don't know, I, you know, I, that's, that's what I do here. I give you guys facts. I don't just say what comes to mind. No, 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 no. I give you guys facts. I give you guys facts. I don't want to hold you guys any much longer. Uh, like I told you guys, the NBA playoffs are back. Uh, I think Milwaukee, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna finish out the series, this first round series. You guys don't know. You guys don't know. You guys just don't know how much I hate these 1-8 these, these matchups. I hate the 1-8 matchups. Um, like, it, most years, the 1-8 matchups are four-game sweeps. And I just wish it was a, they just did best out of five instead of best out of seven. The 1-8 matchups are just so, ah, ah, boy. Like, this this so hard to watch Milwaukee just beat up on Orlando. Um, I think Milwaukee will win. To, he, they, Milwaukee will win. They're, they're, they'll move on to the second round. Uh, Houston... They have Russell Westbrook back. I think Houston will win. They win the series, and I think Houston will win this game. Um, with West, with Westbrook being back, like the, the, that last game where Houston got into a slump and they couldn't get any layups, they couldn't get any penetration inside. Well, Westbrook is that guy. Westbrook is gonna get. He's gonna hit mid range jump shots. He's gonna get into the teeth of the defense. He's gonna get. He's gonna be able to get paint paint points and layups. Um, so if Houston does go cold again, I think Russell Westbrook is that factor. And I think Houston, I think Houston will win the series. Um, cause they, they, they just, I think they have, you know, they have the stars on their side. They got the, they got the best two players in the series. Um, Chris Paul is really good. He's done a phenomenal job with this young Thunder team, but I just think the, I just think the Rockets, I think with Russell coming back, I think that's just too much firepower. Um, Westbrook was really playing well before he got hurt. So I think it's too much firepower. Uh, Lakers, Blazers, they play tonight as well. Um, no Damian Leonard. I think the Lakers went big. The Lakers went big tonight. Uh, they probably went by at least 15 points. The, the Lakers will probably win by at least 15 points. Uh, it was a great story for Portland. Damian Leonard played well. He was the MVP of the bubble, but he got hurt. Uh, Portland was fatigued as I, as I predicted, Portland would be fatigued. Portland looked fatigued the last three games. They looked fatigued. Um, I must say they they just they just ran out of gas. LA are winning five games. Um, the Lakers been playing well. Their defense, it's just they look like trees. The Lakers look like trees compared to Portland. Uh, and then we have the last. Okay, so we got Utah and Denver playing tomorrow. Uh, I think Utah will close out the series tomorrow. Donovan Mitchell has been playing phenomenal. And Jamal Murray. Both of those two guards are playing phenomenal. They don't get talked about as much. They don't get talked about. Um, they don't get talked about a lot because there's so many good guards in the league. Like, there's so many good guards in the league. There's so many good guards in the league. We don't even talk about Donovan Mitchell and, and, and Jamal Murray and guys like De'Aaron Fox. We don't even talk about those guys like that because we always talk about Harden, Westbrook, and uh, and, and Dame, and Kyrie, and Steph. Like, we don't talk about Darren Fox. We don't talk about Jamal Murray a lot. We don't talk about Donovan Mitchell a lot. We don't talk about um, Fred Van Vliet. Like, he's he's turned into a star. He's turned into a star in Toronto. He's going to be making $20 million per year uh, this, this offseason. Um, so I think Utah, they'll win that series in six games. Um, but like I said, both, both, both guards have been playing great. Uh, Clippers, Dallas, Dallas and the Clippers, the Mavericks and the Clippers. No Perzingis. Perzingis has a torn mes uh, meniscus. Yeah, they have a, yeah. Perzingis has a torn meniscus. Uh, and I think the Clippers, they're going to move on. They're going to, they're going to win the, they're going to win the next game. Six games. It's over. Uh, and we'll be moving into the second round of the NBA playoffs. Uh, but like I said, I don't want to hold you guys any much longer. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. This is episode 149. 149, I assume. I hope so. 
Um, because the last few, I got, I got like, I, I messed up on the episode last week, but that's neither here nor there. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, thank you guys for continuing to support me. Uh, stay healthy, stay, uh, stay safe. It, you know, the world is tough. Stay safe. Wear a mask. It's not a political statement. It's not a, like, no, I have no political agenda. I have no agenda. Just wear a mask. Stay safe. Uh, and always remember two choices, one decision, and I am out. Peace. Deuces.